All right, here we go. Episode 201, 201, that is, of Living Off the Land. Welcome in, everybody. Uh, my name is Dan. I am here, as always now, with uh, hashtag Tortilist Steve, Steven Stefano. Steven, how are you? You know, I'm doing just fine. It's Tuesday night, and you know what that means. My phone's at 69%. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good. Uh, shout out to, uh, uh, Mr. Mates for that one back mm. in sixth grade. Boy, that's going into a time machine. Time warp. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, that's, that's what. 1999. Yep. Where's the, uh, what's, what, uh, the Prince song? Oh, I wish I had it queued up. Over, oops, out of time. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we are back again, fresh off our 200th episode last week. Uh, thanks again to my brothers, Anthony and Mike for, uh, being on the show. I've wanted to do that for four years. Party like it's 1999. Thank you very much, Prince. Um, I wanted to do that for a long time. Not not just because, you know, it's it's another excuse to hang on my brothers, but uh, we all have some interesting sports takes, and uh, we are very opinionated when it comes to uh, us talking about uh, our sports takes as a family. So uh, want, that was definitely entertaining. wanted to get them on uh, because I, I, I knew it would be a great episode, and uh, – it was a lot of fun. What do you think, Steve? Oh, was that was a blast. And you know, it just even from the first couple of minutes, you just you just knew that the format was going to be helter skelter. It was going to be this and that. And <laughs> we were going to have debates, and you know, it was, it was just going to be a fun time. And it certainly was. It was interesting. I put po- I posted a clip on uh, our Instagram, and uh, how funny is it that it was the the age old Anthony v Mike debate of uh, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. How about that? That's that was completely off script. There was oh, no way. And no, Anthony yeah. and Anthony's line when somebody first mentioned Tom Brady's name, you know, don't bring Tom into this. You know, <laughs> yeah, you're right. that, it was yeah. just on from there. Yeah. So uh, thank them again. Appreciate it. Go listen to episode 200 of Living Off the Land, and uh, you can hear me um, uh, argue with my brothers about uh, sports and uh, other topics. So. Well, anyway, as we start off every episode, we have a beer of the week and. This week is no exception, and uh, have a a beer from a brewery that we don't feature on the podcast that that much. I don't understand why, because it is one of my favorites, especially to go to, and it is Noble Beast Brewing Company uh, from Cleveland, mm. Ohio, down on Lakeside, right around Lakeside and the thirteenth, East thirteenth, yep, East thirteenth, over by um uh, the uh, WKYC Channel Three Studios uh, over there. Right off the lake, and uh, they have a uh, really great tap room. Uh, if you've never been there and uh, you're looking for a place to grab a uh, nice beer and uh, some great food, they have very underrated food at uh, Noble Beast. Uh, go to Noble Beast and check it out. It's great in the summer because they have uh, garage doors in the front that they open up that you can just sit in there, and you got the wind, the nice breeze coming off the lake. Even if it's a really warm day in July or August, the breeze comes off the lake, and it's really nice. Yeah, patio faces the lake. It's yeah. uh, it's really nice. Uh, 1470 Lakeside Avenue, Cleveland. Again, just down the road from the WKYC studios. Yep. 
Yep, just uh, get off. If, if you're coming from 71, just get off at 9th Street, go all the way down to 9th and Lakeside, make a right, and it's about uh, not even a quarter mile down Lakeside from 9th. So uh, definitely check it out. Uh, anyway, the beer that I have from Noble Beast this week is their Union Pills Bohemian Lager. Now, this is uh, traditionally brewed with a double... Double decoction, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Double decoction mash to enhance malt flavor and balance with Czech says hops for a delightfully floral and spicy aroma. Lagered two months for clarity of flavor. Interesting. I don't really get very much spice on this. I'm impressed that you actually said all of that with a straight face. There lots of Lots of areas where you could have been caught giggling on that one. Was it really? Where? Yeah. Like well, what? Do I really have to say it? <laughs> Spicy aroma? No. Never mind. Say it, because I don't know. Decoction? Oh. I, I don't it even, like three times. I, I don't even like, know if whoa. I'm saying it. D-E-C-O-C-T-I-O-N. I think that's how you say it. I don't even know. Yeah, I, I don't know what that means, but hey, it makes the beer taste good, so uh, we're going with it. Uh, this is sold in 16-ounce uh, cans. Uh, bought it in a four-pack. It's 4.9% ABV, 36 IBUs. Uh, it's just a very good... Uh, tasting Pilsner, you know, um, Pilsner is like Pilsner lager. It's basically like what Bud Miller, it's like what that is. It's essentially like that. This is like, this has so much more flavor and body to it. Um, it's hard to explain. The only thing, and Noble Beast, it's, you know, it's okay. The only thing I don't like about this is the can. Oh yeah. The can's pretty boring. That's not that it's boring. What colors are it? Is it yellow and black and yellow? White and black. Mm. What does that remind you of? Oh, damn it. Pichu. Pichu? Really? That's what that <laughs> reminds you of? I mean, well, I'm not going to say what you want me to say because that, that would just, uh, our sponsors would not be happy with that. So I'll just say that, you know. We don't have any sponsors. It's not like, it's not like Noble Beast gave this to me. I bought it myself. Pichu. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, very, very good uh, beer. I really like this a lot. As I said before, full body, full flavor uh, for, a, for a Pilsner Lager. It's re- very, very good. Very flavorful. Um, and I am enjoying this a lot. Uh, I would definitely get this on draft, whether I'm at Noble Beast or anywhere else so you can get it on tap. And this won't be the last time that I buy it in stores. It's the first time I bought it in stores. Uh, it's the first time we've had this beer on the podcast. And... Yeah, I'm going to go 7.7 on this. Ah, okay. That is, that is the uh, the score for it, and uh, definitely check it out. If you see it, grab it. Great beer. This is, this is a really good uh, summer grilling beer. Uh, this is one where, you know, 4.9%, it's, uh, it's not – it's not it's not heavy at all, so you can drink you can drink a few of these and uh, still be still be good. And it's great if you're outside grilling uh, for a, for a party or family outing or anything like that. So um, definitely check it out. Uh, go to Noble Beast. Like I said again, uh, great food, great atmosphere, great beer. Uh, you can't beat it. Um, and uh, yeah, that is beer of the week. 4.9 ABV, that's about the lightest beer you've had in, you know, 
maybe since I started on the podcast, actually. You've been going into heavier beers for Probably. The last yeah, time. I need to take a break from the heavier beer. <laughs> that 11.6. I'm still having nightmares about that 11.6 uh, quadruple <laughs> IPA <laughs> from Canada. Shout out. Not nightmares because it's bad. Nightmares because, I mean, that, that beard threw me for a loop. But, uh, but yeah, so 7.7 for Noble Beast, uh, Union Pills, Bohemian Lager. All right, Steve, let's, uh, let's get to know another neighborhood. Okay, so last week Won't we Won't you be my neighbor? We actually went outside the Cleveland city limits for the first time going into Parma. Very much so, uh, yep. Our first suburban community. Well, today we are back inside the city of Cleveland. And, we back. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about a neighborhood that... I said that if all the neighborhoods were stocks, this um, Huff neighborhood was basically like the the startup or perhaps the Fortune 500 company that got beat down for a long time and was you know just about to have a rebirth, kind of like a, a General Electric or a Parker Hannafin. Mm. Well, this neighborhood that we're going to talk about tonight is like Amazon or Netflix, the stock that you wish you had bought 10 years ago because you'd be really, really rich today. Yeah. I am talking about Detroit Shoreway neighborhood. Ooh, yes. And this... The Gordon Square neighborhood? Yes. yes. Uh, also sometimes known as Gordon Square. Yes, Gordon Square is a, a <coughs> little enclave of Detroit Shoreway right at, around West 65th Street and uh, Detroit Avenue. And this particular neighborhood, I'm just going to tell you, years ago, this this neighborhood was terrible. When the heroin epidemic, terrible, he says. When the when the heroin epidemic started in Cuyahoga County back mm-hmm. in like 2010, 2011, yeah. 2012, this was the epicenter of that ap- activity. Interesting. It was, it was, it was a nondescript, just nothing good going on kind of an area. The housing was kind of run down. There wasn't a lot of reason to spend a lot of time in there, and. What happened here was that a lot of the earlier investment that went to Tremont and Ohio City, people started getting priced out of those neighborhoods. They started moving westward. In 2017, I was at Hopkins Airport, and I, I saw a billboard there that called Detroit Shoreway Cleveland's bohemian community. Hmm. I thought even then, that was only five years ago, I thought even then that was charitable at best. But then a huge influx of investment hit this neighborhood, particularly on the north end, north of Detroit, uh, in between the, the Shoreway and Detroit, and now you see these inc- impressive, um, almost like concrete and steel type uh, apartment buildings that have gone up all the way between West 55th, almost down to West 80th. There's uh, the the epicenter of that whole building is is this complex called the Edison, which mm-hmm. is literally right uh, along the shoreway, and you can yep. walk from there right down to Edgewater Beach. Absolutely phenomenal what they've put up there. Um, in that particular area. So as you get further south through this neighborhood, it becomes more single family homes Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to apartments. But again, you have that really impressive apartment row (laughs) along the shoreway. uh, And that's where the vast majority of your uh, younger population, your uh, professionals who who live in the, in that area uh, congregate there. And that's mostly, you know, single families that are uh, living mostly south of Detroit Avenue. In terms of geography, this neighborhood is uh, Lake Erie in the north, uh, about West 45th Street in the east, and it goes to about West 83rd Street in the west, and then down to I-90 in the south. Uh, So we're going to just talk about a couple of the businesses in this area. Uh, Actually, Max Hayes High School uh, was actually 
I think was just built a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. That's that's right on the south end of the neighborhood. Yep. Also, it, it that is one of the buildings that kind of just expresses the the incredible turnaround that we've had in this area. Uh, you know, brand spanking new concrete and steel building. And actually, the Cleveland Metropolitan School District has done a really good job with facilities in a lot of their their neighborhoods. Um, even some of the the lesser neighborhoods on the east side have gotten new school buildings in the last few years but max hayes is, is really impressive actually um some areas that you might want to look at we'll start on the east side of the neighborhood we uh right along lorraine avenue at west 44th street you have mason's creamery mm-hmm. which is a really upscale ice cream shop and in fact they are open year round i actually drove past there uh doing lift duty last night and there were people on 37 degrees on a Monday night, there were people outside getting ice cream. Yeah, I think um, I think in the winter time, uh, they do ramen. That yes, actually they do because yeah. I'm looking at the the photos right now on the Google. They're 4.7 star rated on Google, and yes, they do they do ramen, and it's almost like they do soups too. Yeah. I, I'm looking at this. Oh, well, ramen is a soup, yeah. but yeah. So yeah. yeah, they they that's really smart. You don't see most ice cream places selling soup. Right, like, you talk about complimentary foods for one for summer, one for winter. That that's very smart. I mean, just just for comparison, I mean, right around the corner here from my house is East Coast Custard, mm-hmm. which, which has been closed for the last three months. Yeah, because I mean, it's winter. Nobody wants ice cream. East Coast Custard is great, but you know, it's a tough sell. They were open. They they were open last weekend though with the with when the it was extremely warm. Winters, yeah, yeah. I mean, we had temperatures up to seventy degrees about Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, pretty incredible. Uh, Mason's Creamery is at 4401 Bridge Avenue, just off of Lorraine and just off of West 44th Street, uh, on the east end of Detroit Shoreway near Ohio City. Continuing just a little bit away from there, you've got the Forest City Shuffleboard Arena and Bar. This is a fun place. This is really a, a gem. If, if you've never been to this place, and I'm, I'm sad to say I've actually never been to this place. Yeah, this is a fun spot. Uh, but I, I've got to get out there. They have tabletop shuffleboard, and then they actually have, like, like legit shuffleboard where they have a shuffleboard court. The one where you play with the poles and, and, yeah. the, and like, and curling discs, yeah. pretty much. They ha- and they have leagues there. That doesn't um, surprise me. I mean, there's not too many places where you can play shuffleboard. It's a really city. cool spot. They have a, um, they have a ghost kitchen area. They don't have their own, like uh, – food menu or whatever but they allow like um uh like startup restaurant and kitchens to come in and and like on a weekly basis come in and make food so they have a rotating menu of different places uh, which is really cool and they partner uh, with local businesses to do that it's kind of like what you see on cloud kitchens if you've ever heard of that app yeah so it's whoever opened it's a really cool place to, to host an event uh birthday or you know whatever um and uh, it's a really good space. It's it's pretty big uh, in there, so you're never going to feel, like, cramped. Um, they have a nice outdoor patio, which is really cool, especially Speak, in the summertime. Speaking of which, you've got a birthday coming up not too long from now, huh? I do. Mm. I do. In, a, in about a month. I have to think about that. Yeah. 4506 Lorraine Avenue, uh, again, on the east side of Detroit Shoreway neighborhood. Uh, Forest City Shuffleboard Arena and Bar, 4.7 star rated on Google extremely extremely fun place that we're, we're gonna have to get out there very soon uh like you said <laughs> might be april 13th who knows uh continuing over toward the gordon square area one place i have to point out is blue habanero street tacos and tequila if, if you, i was gonna bring it up if you weren't that's literally right at right in the center of gordon square uh west 65th street and 
Detroit Avenue. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a ton of places in, in Gordon Square. Uh, you could pick any number. Uh, again, Lux Kitchen and Lounge is, is right. Key XYZ Tavern. It. Ninja City Kitchen and Bar, which is an Asian place, is right uh, down the street uh, from uh, there. Brew Nuts. And then in between all these food places is the Super Electric Pinball Parlor, which is yeah. a place right that has all the, you know, right across the street from Brew Nuts. Machines. Yeah. So Brew Nuts is, uh, is probably, probably the most famous, uh, well, it's the only donut bar in Cleveland, but probably the most famous donut place, uh, in Cleveland. Um, they're always coming up with different concoctions. They're, they're really great. Um, uh, love brew nuts. Uh, I'm trying to think there was a, there was a sweet Moses, uh, which is now gone, which is unfortunate, but, uh, uh I'm trying to think XYZ tavern, great spot, great food. Um, <clears throat> the best pizza, in the city of Cleveland, I was gonna finish on that one, but yeah, well, I, 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 you can yeah. go right ahead. That's well. Before we get to that, also Happy Dog, which is a um, a really cool uh, hipster ish type bar, uh, dive bar uh, that serves um, hot dogs as their main thing, and they have so many. It's like a it's like a barrio for hot dogs. The way that you know you do your uh, you do your order that um, is highly interesting. It's really good, really good. Um, they came up with the uh, like street food hot dog. They came up. Well, it's not street food, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, they they came up with the uh, the hot dog concoction that you can get at um, at Progressive Field, which is the uh, the pimento mac and cheese and Fruit Loops uh, hot dog. <laughs> yeah, it's a hot dog with mac and cheese and Fruit Loops on it. Wow, I I've never had it, so I I can't recommend it yay or nay but it doesn't sound like something i would eat but hey if you're if you're feeling an adventurous mood uh go ahead and do that but that's just an example of the different concoctions you can come up with on a hot dog there i mean when i go there i usually just stick to like the uh chili cheese like you know chili dog or something like that but uh i know you you would just go for a regular hot dog oh no i mean toucan sam i see you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can't see you putting Fruit Loops on your hot dog. I'm sorry. Well, maybe not Fruit Loops. But if it was like you cinnamon. don't even you don't even put condiments on your, but on like, your hot if dog. If it was Reese's Puffs or Cinnamon Toast Crunch, well, uh, then we might be having something. <laughs> I refuse to believe that. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I I wanted to make sure that I got uh, Happy Dog uh, in there. They were, I think they might have been closed the longest out of any restaurant in Cleveland as far as the pandemic goes. Mm. Um, but. Uh, there's another place I need to get back out to is a happy dog. And then um obvi- there there's other places that I that I have that I don't know off the top of my head uh that I can't think of off the top of my head that I I would like to mention. I'm sure I'm going to get um there's a seafood restaurant uh over there. I think it's called Boiler 65 if I'm not mistaken. Um but supposedly has really good reviews. Um and then uh there's Toast, which is a which is a small little uh, bar restaurant uh, on 65th south of or north of uh, Lorraine that place you just mentioned is or north is, of Detroit is we're just next to the Cleveland Public Theater yeah actually yeah which that's right in Gordon Square as well yep and then obviously the creme de la creme the best pizza in the city by a country mile there is good pizza in this city but to me nothing comes close it is Il Rione Pizzeria it Il Rione is, is absolutely phenomenal it is the only pizza in Cleveland that I can literally like taste it and be like, okay, th- 
this pizza is literally like the pizza I ate in Rome mm. when I was the one time I went to Italy. Yeah, it is uh, that authentic it's, and that good. It's uh, it, it's it's categorized as a New York New York New York New Jersey style uh, pizza, but I do definitely get some of. Um, you know, I've never been to Rome, but the but pizza culture in Rome, as I know it from watching YouTube, uh, because I'm like pizza obsessed with how it's made and how it's you know all that stuff. It I, I do see it I do see it thin crispy, um, obviously really good ingredients, but but and you can get. Not more, overly sauce, not overly right. cheese. You can get you can get more intricate style pizzas at Il Rione, but if you're going for just for me, I'm very much as they call it a pizza purist. I'm good with just dough sauce cheese, really. If it's a good quality pizza. Now obviously if it's friggin' Domino's or crap like that, yeah, throw a bunch <laughs> of throw a bunch of stuff on there. But if it's if it's really good quality pizza like Il Rione or like a Harlow's or a pizza two one six or something like that. Dough, sauce, cheese, a little bit of olive oil drizzle. I'm good to go. So, Il Rione, the best. Um, it. Uh, Il Rione is rated four point eight stars. I want to know who in the yeah. world possibly downrated this place. Right. Exactly. I mean, those people are d bags. Sorry. Well, so <laughs> I will say I will say this, and I think it adds a little bit to its charm. But if you're somebody who doesn't like understand it. It might like piss you off or whatever. Um, they have a hard time answering their phones. Like if you, if you do, if you want to do order in like a takeout order or something like that. Um, and a lot, and a lot of times when you dial the number, if they're on the phone with somebody else, there's no like call waiting or a lot of times they don't even have like their voicemail set up. You just get like a busy, you get like a bit like, like back in the nineties, early two thousands. Like, we're going back to 1994. Yeah, uh, uh, uh. yeah exactly. Um, so I, I can understand to I me, the last time I heard a busy signal to me, that adds to Il Rione's charm to some people. Like I understand it. If you don't like understand like some of the nuances of it, um, it could get kind of annoying. I, I do get that. Maybe that's where the downvoting came in. I don't know. But if you actually get in there, and also it's a small place, and the secret got out about this place very quickly. So very seldomly will you go there, and there's not at least an hour wait. And I'm talking on a Tuesday. Like, if we were to go right now, yeah, 9 o'clock. At 9.15 on a Tuesday. Hour wait. Actually, they probably wouldn't even seat you because I think they, they close at like 10 or they 11. They close at 10 during the week. 10 during the week. So they probably wouldn't even seat you right now. It's that good. It, I, I cannot speak for it enough it is that good there are only two places in all of Cuyahoga County well I mean you mentioned a, a few that I could possibly put in that stress but off the top of my head Angelo's in Lakewood and Angelo Mia's in East Cleveland are probably my number two and number three and yet they're still quite a ways back from Il Rione so yeah um P- I would say probably pizza 216 is probably my number two um mm-hmm. downtown uh, at the uh, uh inside the fifth street arcade um across the street from East 4th Street. Uh, that's probably closest to me. I love Pizza 216, but it's not Il Rione. Uh, Harlow's is also very good. Uh, Citizen Pie in Ohio City, very good. Um, i trying to think anywhere else. I do like Angelo's, but I, I, I love Angelo's most when it's half off on Mondays. <laughs> hey, um, we, we haven't done that in a while. No, Just we haven't. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other places. 
Um, you have you have your local franchisees that are some that are, that are pretty good, like a Master Pizza, uh, Romeo's, stuff like that, which is which is pretty good. I do like Romeo's Pizza. That's 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 more of your that's more of your hey, you have it locally. Like we have both of those here in, in Parma Heights, Parma, um, where uh, you can um, just order and go pick it up in like five minutes. Like like Il Rioni, that's the only location. So if I'm feeling Il Rioni, and I'm like just going to look and pick up a pizza. I'm, you know, I'm looking at like a, a half hour drive to get there, so, um, yeah, but uh, I can't say enough about Orioni. We'll finish the segment by talking about the main natural attraction in Detroit Showway, and that is Edgewater Park and Edgewater Beach. Yes, and this is your number one urban park in Cleveland by a country mile, right along Lake Erie, in between the water and the shoreway. Uh, any time of the year, uh, pretty much any time of the year, except maybe the dead of winter, there's always things going on down there. But it's obviously the biggest in summer when you have the beach open, when you have people bathing in the pristine waters of Lake Erie um, on a warm summer day. It's just it's the best. You've got a big uh, – you have one of the Cleveland script signs that is actually near the top of the hill at the west end of the area, which, which has an almost perfect view of downtown. I, you know, I, I didn't get to do it this past weekend when the weather was nice. Um, it must have been packed. But I'll tell you what. For me, there's nothing better than waking up on a Saturday morning, going and getting a coffee, and going to the the upper area of Edgewater, like you were talking about with the with the Cleveland sign. Yep. And just sitting at one of those picnic tables and looking out over Edgewater Beach and then the city skyline. There's, I mean, I... I have a hard time finding a better way to start your Saturday, start your weekend off than doing that. Our friend Leah Belly actually just lived down the street from there uh, when she was here before she – I forget where she went. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's just – you can't beat that, really. No. For me, it's going to Rising Star, grabbing a coffee, taking Champ, taking him on a walk through um, that area up there and then just uh, sitting down and uh, enjoying the um, the scenery of Edgewater. Uh, and then when I, you know, once I come back home, stop at the Westside Market and pick up some uh, some cool stuff. But uh, but yeah. So, have we given you enough content for this little area of Cleveland? <laughs> this used to be again. I I have to reiterate. This neighborhood used to be not very nice at all. Yeah. And now it is one of the gleaming jewels of of Cleveland. Literally. If you live or grew up in Cleveland, you know about Gordon Square. If you if you grew up and live in the suburbs. And you're adventurous at all, you've probably been to Gordon Square. Uh, it's a great place, great spot. So many, like we didn't even mention half of the really cool restaurants uh, in Gordon Square. Um, really cool spots. Um, you know, obviously we talked about Edgewater Beach. Um, you know, hopefully this summer Edgewater Live uh, makes a comeback. So it's just a really, it's just a really cool area. I think it's it's got to be one of the top uh, Cleveland neighborhoods and and. Uh, and spots, without sure. a doubt. So that's our sixth neighborhood and our seventh uh, segment overall. And you, you can, can put, put it on, on the board. board. Yes. <laughs> people, either, I bet people that love that or hate that. <laughs> it's like so you could be listening. You got your headphones on. Say you're at work or you're driving, and all of a sudden it's just like, oh god, screech. This isn't a Chicago podcast. Yeah, I bet ninety-five percent of the people don't even know. Don't, what even, that is. don't even know about that, even though we've explained it three times already. Yeah, but 
that's cool. So anyway, thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, okay, Champ. I don't know if you guys heard that over the microphones, but uh, Champ was letting his voice uh, be heard on uh, how, what he thinks about us yelling. You scream and yell all the time, so I don't know what you're upset about. Just kidding, Champ. Love you, buddy. Okay, so better know neighborhood in the books. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about some sports topics. And right before we came on the air, I want to start off with this. You said you hadn't. We haven't talked about uh, the MLB labor stoppage, um, the uh, b- b- lockout uh, at all, really. Um, no. Just because it's it's the off season, we haven't missed any games yet. But blah 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 blah. But you said you had an interesting take on the uh, MLB lockout. So real take quick, it away, real quick before I get into that. The Cavaliers and the Pacers are tied with 33 seconds left. Oh boy. So we'll we'll discuss yeah the outcome of this uh, as soon as this game goes final. But we may be looking at overtime out in Indianapolis. <laughs> but anyway, uh, going to the to the MLB work stoppage. So more or less, it's the same stupid debate that they had in 1994, that they had in 2002, that they had again in 2019, and then again in 2020. Although 2020 was a little bit different because you were dealing with a pandemic. You were dealing with you know all the regulations that they were going to have to go through to play. But I think we're at a point now, and, and money, I mean, Money is everything, obviously. It's everything to the owners. It's everything to the players. It's to everyone involved. Everybody wants more of it, and yada, yada, yada. But I think there's something else going on here. In 2020, the players kind of just were obstinate. They didn't really want They kind of hid behind COVID, and I feel like a lot of it, they may have been legitimately concerned about the virus, but I think they had another motivation at play. And now that they are looking to delay the start of another season, I'm now even more convinced that the players are being obstinate because they don't want to play 162 games. That the season is too long and that they are trying to artificially shorten the season through the lockout process. I think they did this in 2020. I think at the 11th hour they said, "Yeah, you know what? We'll play a 60 game season. Yeah, cool." You know, and I think at some point, yeah, you know, they're they're going to keep driving the hard bargain, the hard bargain, and the owners are going to be like, "Well, you know what? You're not going to earn anything not playing." So the owners are not going to move off from their position. But eventually, we're going to get to some point in April or May, or maybe it'll even be June, and the players will be like, "Okay, yeah, we're ready to play now." I agree with that in theory. I just I don't agree with that because I don't see where the players are okay giving up money. That's the real question. How much are they willing to just let go by? Yeah. And the other side of this is are the owners – I haven't been paying too much to the X and O's of the debate, but I know in 2019 the owners were talking early on in that labor discussion about bring, finally bringing a salary cap to baseball, and the players were like, well, you're just not going to have a season if you do that. Yeah. And so the the two kind of made yeah, peace with that right away. That's, that's never going to happen. So They also they also uh, talked about a, uh, instituting a salary floor, and uh, that – that got the kibosh. Now that actually is an even better idea, I think. It is, but it, I, 
I, that means the teams just won't be able to tank. Cavs are up by two, two point five seconds left. Uh, Lamar Stevens had an opportunity to uh, ice the game with free throws, missed the first. So the Pacers, regardless, he made of, the second free throw. It's now a three point lead for the Cavs. Yeah, two seconds to go. This game's over. Is it? Yeah. The Cavs win one twenty seven, one twenty four. Hey. That's a big win. Um, Cavs come from nine back with at the end of the third quarter to to win this game. That's a real gut check victory for the Cavs. It is, and they're 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 kind of acting like it the way they're celebrating on the floor. I just I, I don't understand how like what happened to this team defensively. I mean, they're just they're just they've just been bad over the last few weeks defensively. It's 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 not just been like a couple games. It's and it's not because Jared Allen didn't play tonight. They've been bad defensively for weeks now. Um, and I guess I'm kind of nitpicking, but, you know, because this team has overachieved the entire season. So, yeah, you're probably going to have a stretch where the team comes back to earth a little bit. Maybe this is that stretch. But this was such an important game, um, especially given what we have the next two games. that we're, we're, what, at Chicago, at Miami? Or is it the other way around? At Miami, at Chicago? Yeah. Um, and that's a back-to-back, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is a back-to-back. The NBA didn't do us any favors there. No, um, Friday and Saturday night. So I, you know, I struggle. I, I struggle to find us being able to win either of those games. So this game was really important. Um, so it's great to see the Cavs get this win. Um, Darius Garland, forty-one points, thirteen assists tonight. That's a big time line. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean the kids the kids just turning into a superstar. He's for me, he's essentially where Kyrie was before LeBron came back. Same type player. Um yeah, before Kyrie went off the deep end and and ceased to be relevant well, on the yeah. basketball court. Yes. Yeah, when he was with the Cavs. His when he was with the Cavs. He, I mean even when LeBron came back those two years that they played together. Um so, yeah, I uh, or three years, I don't remember. Yeah, three years. He was three years without LeBron, three years with LeBron. Um, so yeah, that's a great win by the Cavs, and uh, we just jumped in there on the Cavs talk because uh, you know it was going it was going on. So that's a that's a real great win for the Cavs. This is the Cavaliers' first win on the road in over a month. That's crazy. They beat the Hornets one hundred two one hundred one back on February fourth. And what's even what's even crazier about that is, uh, even with that. Not winning a, a road game in a month, they were still above five hundred on the road coming into tonight. They were seventeen and sixteen. Now eighteen. And generally and 16. speaking, if you are at least five hundred on the road, you're you're definitely going to be in the playoffs, and you could be contending for a top four seed. Yeah, you know, in in a typical year, and they are the Cavs. Even with this slide, uh, pre All Star break and now after the All Star break, they're in this. They're they're comfortably in the sixth seed. They're three and a half games above Toronto for the sixth seed, and. You think that game on Sunday was big? Oh, it was Whoa. huge. Oh, it was huge. It was huge. So, two really good wins by the Cavs uh, against Toronto. And uh, oh, what's going on? Um, and then tonight uh, in uh, in Indy. So, uh, good job by the Cavs. Uh, love it. Hashtag let them know. Uh, but, getting, but getting back to baseball. Um, yeah, I do I think baseball players want to play 162 games? Probably not. It's a lot of freaking games. I mean, it's 
essentially for six months you're playing every single day. like you're playing six out of seven days in the week pretty much right um so but if you don't play 162 games you're not going to get paid on the same scale as if you've been playing 162 games in years past no so it's it's a catch-22 do we want to are we are we, are we you know the, the baseball players are saying they want to play. They want to deal. There's no reason for them to be locked out, blah, blah, blah. But obviously that's just posturing. Um, they want to get the best deal they, that they can out of this out of this labor dispute. And, you know, all power to them. You know, that that's what you do in CBA negotiations. Any sort of negotiation, you're trying to get the best deal for yourselves. And baseball has, the, uh, my opinion, the strongest uh, labor union of all the American sports. Oh, that's indisputable. Yeah. Without a doubt, they do. So, yeah, I don't know. I could see it being a possibility, like you said. Um, but I don't know. I just I just, I don't know about them willing to sacrifice that money. Yeah, it's, it really comes down to are they really negotiating with the owners in good faith about the money side of it? Because well, I, I feel like they're asking for the moon right now, and, like, come, let's say, May, they're probably not going to. They'll be a lot more pragmatic at that well, point. Well, it's it, that happens on both sides. You know, the owners are doing the same thing. I mean, the owners are the ones that locked out the players, right? So they're trying to do the same thing. That's why there's this big giant gap. The problem here is that there was, for whatever reason, I have no idea. There was no sense of urgency to get a deal done up until like a couple weeks before the MLB self-imposed deadline of getting a deal done before they start canceling games. There was no sense of urgency. They weren't they weren't meeting before the holidays. The the, the baseball season's been over since since November. They right. didn't start meeting until mid February. Why? They should have started meeting as soon as the season was over. Or maybe, hey, everybody take a week and then, you know, we'll start this negotiations. Like what well, I, I don't understand. And this happens in all sports, really. And really, to be honest with you, it happens in all walks of life. I mean a lot of times people procrastinate and you're not going to do the work until you absolutely have to. But like I don't have sympathy for the players or the owners in these negotiations at all. Um I have sympathy for the fans because baseball has become a distant third as you know we it used to be called when we were growing up and before that obviously America's pastime. That's it long was gone. it was the number one sport. Yes. That is long gone. Um the NFL has long overtaken MLB as America's pastime and the NBA as well. I mean by far the two most most popular sports in the United States. Actually, if you want to include college football, three. The, M- the NFL, college football, and the NBA. The NFL went past after the 94 baseball strike and then yeah. the the NBA's rise past MLB has been I, I if you go by the television ratings, I think it's been very rec- a very recent thing. But, um, you know, you could even see the signs of it even as far back as the 90s that, you know, eventually those lines were going to cross. And so, yeah, I, sure enough. I, I feel for baseball, and, and I say I feel for baseball fans as if I'm not one of them. I, you know, both of us are big baseball fans. You know, we root for the Cleveland uh, Indian uh, Guardians. We came right up when the, the Indians had their run in the 90s. I mean – that was, that was that was our thing. How about the uh how about uh <laughs> the Indians having a controversial rebrand and then they're not even gonna get to start it on time because of this. You know, in in their case, 
it's, it gives a further delineation between the the two eras, I guess. You yeah, know, it, it, it's kind of funny in that way. And yeah. I mean, are the Guardians supposed to be good this year? I don't, I don't even really know. Because we'll always just, they were just kind of eh a year ago. Yeah, injuries just completely destroyed oh, their pitching rotation yeah. after they got off to a good start. You know, I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be pretty good. Are they going to be good as good? Uh, are they going to be good as good as the White Sox? Probably not. But I don't see any you other. Can put it on the yeah. ball. I don't see any. I don't see any other team in the. I almost said AFC North in the in the American League Central. That's really better than the, the Guardians, other than the White Sox. Detroit stinks. I mean, Detroit is Minnesota getting, stinks. Detroit is getting better, but they still stink. Minnesota, you know, they had that few year run. I don't really see them as a threat. Um, and then Kansas City. Ugh. And it, it, it's the, the Guardians and the White Sox, and the rest of the division is Bletch. You talk about Kansas City, and like they, they really were just like the random flash in the pan in the middle of the last decade, and they cashed in on a title in one of the years. And other than that, like in they're 25 like the, of the last 27 years, they've done nothing. <laughs> they're like uh, this generation's Florida Marlins. Yeah, kind of. Um, except they, they went to their World Series back-to-back. The, uh, the Marlins... Went ninety seven and one, and then was it two thousand two? Two thousand three. Two thousand three. They uh they won. They uh they beat the beat the Skankies in the World Series. Um, so yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I don't know. This whole thing, I, I've just not paid attention to it, just because I'm so sick and tired of this. I'm so sick and tired of these billionaire owners and these millionaire uh, baseball players just. Just arguing over, you know, we're just coming out of a global pandemic, mm-hmm. and these guys are just bitching about dollars and cents. And it's self-destructive behavior, is what it is. It really is. They and have the golden it, goose, and they're willing to sell the golden goose down the river at a time yeah. where, like you said, we just came out of a global pandemic. We're going into a period where there's a lot of uncertainty in the world, uh, particularly over in Europe. You just don't know what's going to you know, precipitate from that either. So, you know, for them to, to be looking around and, and be bickering over just some, you know, who and gets baseball, a larger slice of a very, 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 very large pie yeah. is very irresponsible and very self-destructive. And, ba- and, and, and baseball's long been suffering anyway. We just talked about the fact that how they've fallen in the pecking order, and this is just going to make them, no, obviously they're not going to fall, but, but Below, you wouldn't like, think they would bull, fall below the NHL or the MLS, no. but like, I mean, the, the NHL is actually a good a, a good study case for this because the NHL lost an entire season because of a labor dispute. Yes, and uh, that really hurt the league for oh yeah the rest of the, that was in 2004. Pretty much the rest of that decade, the NHL was far behind all the other sports. Yeah. It wasn't until at least 2010, right, that things started to turn around. And I I don't I don't know uh, I don't know the talking points and the uh, the sticking points that they're negotiating in the. Uh, labor deal. Frankly, I really don't care. Just get a deal done and let's play some freaking baseball. It just sucks that you know we're probably going. I, I've I've gone on record saying that I think there's there could be a chance that they don't play baseball at all this year. Yeah, I I, mean, I, I, I think I still, that's that's obviously to the extreme. I still come to the to the conclusion that they are eventually going to play when the players have just decided that they are at the acceptable number of games they can just trim off the schedule. But maybe I'm just off on that theory. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, I think I think there's too much money to be lost to to do that. So I don't know. 
Well, you think if there was too much money to be lost, they would have been negotiating in December and January. Well, here, so so here's the thing. Like, like with that with that theory, like with that theory, that's just going to be for this year. They're not going to go negotiate a, a shorter season moving forward. The owners. Well, will, no, they're not. The but, owner, the owners but will. They'll they'll take it whenever they can get it. The play. The, see, I I don't know. I don't know. I I just don't know if I agree with that. I don't. I don't know if I agree with with them doing that in exchange for just throwing money down the toilet. That's essentially what they're doing. That is essentially what they're doing. Well, that's essentially what both sides have been because doing. Because whatever, since. because whatever, whatever, uh, however short shortened the season is, player salaries are going to be shortened that same percentage. I'm sure they're aware of that. So I don't, I don't know. We'll see. I think, I think it's more so the owners, because obviously, again, this is a lockout. This isn't a strike. The owners locked out the players, so. This is a MLB owner initiated work stoppage. So, I don't know. What exactly are they trying to accomplish with this lockout? Are they trying to? Well, the I mean the CBA's up. It's not like it's not like it's so they had to negotiate a new collective bargaining agreement. They're the owners are never going to play. The owners and the players are never going to play baseball games without a. Signed, sealed, and delivered CBA. Why not? Just because uh, just the legalities of everything. It just won't happen. Not going to happen. Person, I mean, personally, I'm, I'm not really. I mean, I'm not really for unions, so I. We have to bring I'd in the legal that, team on this one to really get the ins. The LOTL legal but. team, yeah. Like I said, I don't, I don't, um, I don't know exactly what I know. They they've been talking about. Um, players wanting to be to be able to be free agents uh, quicker in their careers because right now, you it takes like six years, six seven it? because of arbitration it takes like six seven years. Yeah, yeah. they want to shorten that. They they want an increase for um, uh, minimum salaries for minimum level players like rookies and you know stuff like that, um, which understandable. I mean, everybody asks for a raise in their job at some point or another. That's not. You know, and I think the the owners have been open to that. Uh, there's some sort of money pool for pre-arbitration, something or other. Again, I don't know a lot of the ins and outs. And then obviously they're also negotiating like rules of the game, like getting rid of the shift or uh, you know, stu- like rules. Can I the just game. say that that is totally asinine? By the way, what you're telling teams that you can't put your infielders where you want them to be. That, I, mean, I, I mean that's just I saw, ridiculous. I saw a really I, I saw a really good analogy of this. It's like telling an NFL defense they can't run cover two. Yeah, right. The problem that I have, see, I Or like the NBA for a long time said that they couldn't you couldn't play zone defense. Right. In its in its essence, I don't like the shift because I think it makes the game more boring because it's harder to, you know, score runs and, and hit and all that when you got when when you're uh when you're uh, a left-handed batter and you've got uh, the shortstop playing in shallow right field, so it's hard to get a base hit. But there's a simple solution to this. I have an easy solution, too. What's yours? Just choke up, close your batting stance, and hit it down the third base line. Oh. Or I, bunt. I, I, that was my solution, bunt. I mean, but, I mean that's <laughs> – listen, listen. Do I, think it's, do I think it's cheesy to do it that – to bunt like that? 
The same reason why <laughs> there's no infielder over there. Why not? The same the same reason why if I'm a pitcher and I'm throwing a no hitter and in the eighth inning somebody lays down a bunt and beats it out, I'm <laughs> worth th- worth throwing hands at that point. <laughs> well, if it's a one nothing game, huh? Well, if it's a one nothing game, I don't care. I'm throwing hands. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's 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 bush league. I mean, it's it's legal. Like, but yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is about baseball players. Is is it just like they just, they don't practice choking up on the bat and closing their stance and and hitting it to where the fielder isn't? Like are they are they not talented enough to do that? Are they too lazy? Are they, you know, baseball's become such a swing for the fences type the, league. You either strike out or you hit a home run. I get I, the I get the feeling that most players are either too lazy or too obstinate, meaning that they they have so much of a routine they. They have the same mannerisms when they go up to the box. The same music plays when they step up to the box. That yeah. they take a certain number of swings in the in the batting circle, and like if you ask them to do any little thing different, like it's it's just gonna like they'll be like, well, it's just gonna throw me off. You know, it's that's, that's, I that's I, I get that it's difficult to hit, but it's and it's not just with that. It's just the way they they act in the locker room and and with like the unwritten rules of the game, like when you can when it's acceptable to th- throw a ball at the other. Play, you know, at the other batter and when it's not which by the way in my opinion it's never okay to do that but you know I'm or, not, I'm or not in baseball so. or the fact or the fact that uh it's uh it's considered taboo to celebrate hitting a home run like flipping your bat or like skipping down first baseline or- that's one of the craziest things so a few years ago i think it was the year before the indians went to the world series there was a playoff series between texas and toronto and in the division series in the decisive game Jose Batista hits a three-run home run and all but clinches the series for the for the Blue Jays. He bat flips. He you know celebrates the moment and everything, just like every, any athlete would in that situation. Right. The Rangers waited all the way till next April when they played, and the first at bat for Batista six months later. Yeah. They threw at his head. Yeah. Was that how the, uh... long can you hold a grudge? At, was that I mean, the, that was, petty? Was that the Odor fight? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so he, yeah, that would actually happen in the same game. He eventually, I, I don't know which happened first, but yeah, he got on base and and they were throwing hands at second base. Yeah, it's uh, there's just there's oh, just my a word. lot. Of, they're just you know, baseball is the baseball players and managers like can really said, be babies. I think is the lesson of well, that. Like we said, baseball is the original America's pastime, and they've they've kept to that certain uh, unwritten rule book. Of you know you don't celebrate certain things like like I'm I'm all for and Trevor Bauer you know what what whatever you think of him personally obviously you know there's we could discuss that for an hour but as far as him on the mound when he strikes somebody out he's gonna let you know either mm-hmm. by screaming like in general or he's gonna pump his fist or he's gonna you know do it towards you like he did with the I can't remember who was I think it was he was with the Indians and I think we were playing with the Reds or something. <laughs> We were playing the Reds. I, I think it was the Reds, and uh, this bat—I can't remember who the batter was—but he came up, and uh, I don't know if he was taught if he talked trash in the media to Trevor Bauer that day or the day before, or if he said something during the game. Whatever, Trevor Bauer uh, strikes him out looking and goes with his hand, just goes like, "Go sit down. <laughs> go back to the dugout. Yeah, go sit down." Um, but yeah, it's like that sort of stuff. Like like baseball has such an image problem as far as you know, just being fun and. When you hit a big home run and the crowd goes nuts, flip your bat. That's fun. Like, 
Fans enjoy that. When you strike somebody out in the eighth inning with the bases loaded, when you're winning by uh, a run to get to the ninth inning and you're going to have your closer come in and you strike somebody out, whether swinging or looking, and you pump your fist and you scream in the air, like, that's great, that's fun, that's awesome. The unwritten, like the only, the only unwritten rule that that I'm cool with, was that I'm cool with still being is you remember when there was the Yank, I think it was the Yankees, I think they were playing the Blue Jays. There was a pop up to third base and A Rod was on second base. There was two outs and he's running from second to third, and as as the the third baseman, the ball's coming down to third baseman, he runs by him and he screams like ah, <laughs> and the player trying to get him to drop the ball and he dropped the ball. Yeah, that now that. That I'm like, okay, that's douchey. Like, don't do that. That's ridiculous. But you know what? It, it's a, it's a, it was a heads up play. Caused them to drop the ball. Maybe, I, maybe they maybe they got a run out of that. I I don't know. I don't remember yeah. the the exact scenario, but but yeah, it's just that sort of stuff. Just let the, let guys have fun. I mean, a lot of times these players are like, these are a lot of times players that do this. These these are players who haven't made their money yet in the league. They're young players. They just you know, hit a big home run at the end of a game, either to win it or to take the lead in the end of the game, and they flip their bat. Who cares? The only time that I would be like, okay, that's a little too much, is if, like, like a guy hits a home run and he flips his bat back into the field of play and, like, flips it towards the pitcher. Then, okay, like, right, that's – don't do that. But but if you're if – you're, if you're, uh, you're going up the first baseline, you flip your bat back towards the dugout, who cares? Why does that matter? I don't get it. Optionally, what would also be dumb is if a player celebrates a home run when they're losing like ten to three. <laughs> yeah. That's like yeah, that's like that's like an, an NFL player but, 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 celebrating a touchdown when they're down twenty four. But nothing. honestly, that's it. Like a big home run, that's the equivalent of a fifty yard touchdown pass in the NFL or yeah. like a big alley oop dunk in the NBA. Like yeah. people are gonna go ape on a play like that. You right. Know, and just... and up and up until the last couple of years, the NFL was the same that was the same dog had the same dogmatic approach to this. Like, you know, that's why they called the NFL the no fun league, because you couldn't celebrate a touchdown. Like you had to turn around and give it back. I'll never forget Andrew Hawkins scoring a touchdown and turning around and walking back towards the referee like a robot and just handing him the ball. And then right, because he was making fun that, of the NFL. That, that's really funny. It's fantastic. Actually. And, you know, the NFL has been a lot more lax in the last couple of years about that. Now, obviously, they don't like props on the field, like harking back to Joe Horn when he pulled the cell phone out underneath the underneath the, uh, the Back in the golden bed. era of touchdown celebrations, when you had yeah. Joe Horn, when you had Chad Johnson, when you had Steve Smith and all Terrell Ty- Owens Tyree Ty- Kill jump, guys. Tyreek Hill jumping into the front row and grabbing the camera from the cameraman. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, like that's, that sort of – I get it, but just for the most part, like just let these people have fun. Let the, especially baseball. Let these let let the guy flip the bat, all that stuff. But anyway, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know where this is going. I don't know when this is going to end the uh, the the work stoppage. Um, hopefully, it's soon. They're they're just all being a bunch of smart asses. But speaking of smart ass of the week, yep. uh, which is a segment that you uh, alluded to, what we should add to the show. Bro, brought to you by no one yet. Brought we're to not you sponsored. by no. Oh, well, can't don't uh, say it. So anyway. I have a smart ass of the week. Hey, Calvin Ridley. Oh God! How in the world, if you are a pro athlete, you're playing for a professional team? How are you betting on games? Yeah. So this is this is this is, uh, and I'm stealing this from Shannon Sharp this morning on uh, Undisputed. 
This is the dumbest bet of all time. This guy wagered $1,500 essentially against $11 million because that's what he made in salary. That's what he was supposed to make in salary this year. Yeah. So he wagered 1500 up against $11 million because he got caught and the NFL suspended him. For the entire 2022 season. At minimum. At a minimum. What are you doing? It's fifteen hundred dollars. Do you, you really are just? And I get it. Like he wasn't with the team at the time. Like he was injured, so he wasn't playing. So it's not like, you know, you're not gonna. He he put money on. He put money on the Falcons. Yeah, team he was playing for, but he wasn't playing. He was injured and wasn't with the team. What are you doing? You're a multi, multi, multi millionaire. Why are you putting money on sporting events in your own sport? On your own team, no less. Games involving your team. Well, thank goodness you didn't bet against them, but like, yeah, I don't know if that would necessarily promote any different of a response from the league. Quite and fifteen hundred dollars, a fifteen hundred dollar parlay. Yeah, so it didn't involve just that one game either. That and and do you know how hard it is to hit a parlay? They don't hit it very often. No, they don't anyway. That's why that's why Vegas and these sports books offer them because the odds of you hitting them are almost nil. Conditional probability. I mean, if you assume even odds, conditional probability of hitting a two-game parlay is only twenty-five percent. A three-game parlay goes down to twelve point five. Four-game is only about six percent. I get it. The payout is a lot bigger, but I I just never understood people betting parlays. Like they actually make you. Well, I don't know if it's still the case, but up in Canada, they actually did not allow single game bets. They actually made you bet in parlays, right? Because it's Partly hard to win. Because it, yeah, that the whole point is that the, the casino gets a bigger take. Yeah. So yeah, you're you're 100 percent right. Smart ass play though. I is he okay? So the follow up question is. Is he ever going to play another NFL game? Yeah, probably. He's young enough to where he'll probably come back from this. So, in other words, he's not going to become the Pete Rose of the NFL. No. 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 Pete Rose was betting against his own team when he was managing them. That I like I I think Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame and I think he should be allowed back in baseball. I think the fact that you gave the guy a lifetime ban is ridiculous. <laughs> lifetime ban for anything short of murder or you know what any kind of heinous crime like that is ridiculous yeah um but yeah i think he'll come back what's interesting is he he was one of the receivers that the browns had interested in signing before this happened obviously that ain't happening now um and uh speaking of another such receiver actually went off the board today too several went off yeah, the board several okay uh Devontae adams franchised i didn't think there was any way he was coming here no no he was no he wasn't um chris godwin tampa bay that who, who conceivably could have yeah franchise that's not even the guy i was thinking of mike either. williams of the chargers that's the guy franchise yep. yeah yeah um so yeah the, the veteran receiver market is drying up uh a couple of the guys that are going to be available for the browns which one of them i've wanted the i've wanted to see in a browns uniform since his days at penn state alan robinson Yes. I would love to see the Browns sign him. Is he a bona fide number one receiver? No. 
but how many of those are there really out there? Well, just the guys that we the guys that we mentioned that were franchised today. Um, I didn't even think Mike Williams was a number one guy. Not actually, Chris Godwin wasn't either, given who was on their team. But I mean, he he was one of my guys in fantasy this year. He did great until he tore up his knee at the end. Uh, who were the other guys? Uh, Allen Robinson. Uh, who was who was the other guy that? Oh, um, it looks like Amari Cooper is on his way out of Dallas because uh, they don't want to pay him twenty million dollars this year. Uh, so I think they're going to. They're going to try and trade him, but I think every team in the NFL knows that uh, they're not going to keep him. So I think he could be an option for the Browns. And uh, DJ Chark from uh, Jacksonville, I think he could be an option for the Browns. And then that's that's pretty much it for like a bona fide, not even number one receiver, just like a bona fide receiver to come in and be like, okay, this guy unequivocally makes our wide receiver room better. And then, my opinion, the Browns are probably going to draft a receiver at 13. If he's there, I think they're going to zero in on Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, which I'd be fan- which I think that would be fantastic. But uh, do you, you know. think he'll be there at 13? I don't know. His I've... teammate Chris Olave definitely will not be. I would think. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. Cuz I don't think they're going to be the the top 2 receivers off the board. Um I think there could be others that go before him. It's a very it's not a bona fide wide receiver class, but it's very very good. It's about as good as I've ever seen. There are a lot of good receivers. Um so, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, I definitely think they're going to lean towards wide receiver. For me, it's either going to be wide receiver or uh, edge rusher because I'm starting to think more and more that Jadevian Clowney is not going to be back with the Browns next year. I, I think wouldn't gonna, think he'll be back either. I think he's going to be too expensive, which sucks because I, I thought he had a great year with the Browns. He did very well, yes. So we'll see. Um, the quarterback carousel is in full effect as of today. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers makes his decision. He's going back to Green Bay for at least one more year. I heard that the the reported four-year, $200 million contract was a bit premature. Um, actually, from his mouth, he tweeted uh, this afternoon. He said that that's, that's, that's wrong. Uh, he, he said, yes, I'm coming back to Green Bay, but he hasn't signed a contract yet. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, and then about an hour after that happened – one of the biggest trades in NFL history went down. Russell Wilson going to the Denver Broncos for a bevy of draft picks and players. And I still think that the Broncos fleeced the Seahawks. The Broncos have been a team that has desperately needed a quarterback really ever since Peyton Manning left. They're, They've had plenty of seasons here where their defense has been at least serviceable, if not one of the best in the league, but they've just been hamstrung by bad quarterback play. Now you add a former league MVP, a former Super Bowl winner to that to that roster, a team that was, what were they this year, 8-9, I think? I believe so, yeah. You know, so 
you got to think if they make some other good personnel decisions this offseason that they may very well be a contender in the AFC yeah. uh, to go to the Super Bowl next year. And you brought up this point, actually. Look at all the quarterbacks that are in the AFC West. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, Russell the, Wilson, the AFC period, Justin Herbert. But, yes. I mean, Derek Carr looks small by comparison to those guys, but he's not chopped liver. No, not at all. I mean, the AFC West, and it it's interesting, you know, uh, it came out that um, the Washington Commanders actually may have – now, I don't know if I believe this. Aren't but, you glad we only have to play one of those teams next year as opposed yeah. to four? <laughs> um, may have made the Seahawks a better offer for Russell Wilson, but the story was is that they wanted him out of the NFC. They wanted to trade him to the AFC, which I don't necessarily I – don't, I don't buy. Why would you take – why would you take a lesser deal just to get him out of the conference? Now, in the division, I can understand. Yeah, because you got to play him twice a year. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if the Seahawks even play the Commanders this year. They, I mean, they might. No, but. no. And then, uh, yeah, so I don't know that I I believe that Washington had a better – I think that's Washington trying to put that out there saying, hey, we had a better deal, blah, blah, blah. Um, By the way, I might have missed something here. Who are the Commanders? Washington. The football team? Yeah. Oh. Their new name is the Commanders. The Commies. Okay. Yeah. Just in case you didn't hear. Yeah. The Washington Commanders. So, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, yeah, like you said, the quarterbacks in the division, my goodness gracious. You know, it's uh, it's definitely going to be a uh, – it's going to be a dogfight in that division. You know, Derek Carr is somebody that a lot of Browns fans were trying to clamor over. Um, this off season, I mean, no, Derek Carr wasn't leaving the Vegas, but uh, he was in that whole. Can we get a guy better than Baker yeah. Mayfield yeah. F- without f- getting fleeced of our draft capital right. debate? Right. So, yeah, I, uh, but. He is unequivocally now the the it, it's it sucks to characterize him this, this way unequivocal because because I do think because child of them. because I do think that he's a good quarterback but he's unequivocally the the worst quarterback in that division now. Hmm. So he's kind of like Mason which it, Rudolph, which is well no because Mason Rudolph objectively is not good. Derek Carr is good. Derek Carr had a top ten, top twelve season this year in the NFL at quarterback, and he's and he's fourth in that division. You're obviously not going to take him over Patrick Mahomes. You're not no. going to take him over Russell Wilson. And even though he hasn't made the playoffs yet, I, I don't think you're taking him over Justin Herbert either. No. So, you know, by default, that's where he falls. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. Boy, the AFC just just has just stacked another team. On t- the AFC is incredibly stacked. And it – and. If you just look at the quarterbacks, I mean, my God, my, those four in that division, you have Josh Allen. I mean, this year upcoming, the Browns, we have to deal with Josh Allen. We have to deal with Mac Jones uh, of the Patriots. We have to, you know, Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, I don't know. If he's, he's really not that great. But, uh, you know, so may, maybe you get maybe you get lucky there and with the Jets also. I don't even know who's going to be the starter. Zach the Wilson? But then, I mean, you look in our division, uh, I'm sure Lamar Jackson's going to be looking to have a bounce back year. Obviously, you have Joe Burrow. Uh, who knows what the Steelers are going to do. That was actually a little bit of debate last week. Uh, 
who who is who is better now, Joe Burrow or, or Lamar Jackson? And it seemed like almost the entire table here was actually in Joe Burrow's corner. I oh, was the one uh, holding out for Lamar. So, yeah, I'm. I'm um, I gave Mike the buzzer, and he was like, "Oh, get out of here!" Yeah, I, I, I do think Joe Burrow is overrated. I think he's good. I think he's a little overrated. Um, but for the future, I would, I would still take him over Lamar Jackson. Um, That's got to be solely based on his throwing ability, correct? Yeah, his ability as a quarterback. Mm. I've long said that Lamar Jackson is the greatest athlete to ever play the position of quarterback, and that includes Michael Vick. But. The difference is Michael Vick was a million times better a passer than Lamar Jackson could ever dream to be. Michael Vick could hit some really incredible. Throws. Michael Vick, I mean, Michael Vick was. He wasn't the most accurate passer, but boy, did he have if he, an arm. If he wouldn't, if he wouldn't have, if he wouldn't have gotten caught killing dogs, he'd probably be a Hall of Famer. I think he would have had to move on from Atlanta anyway at some point because, you know. Once you got to the point of his career where you got close to dogfighting, Atlanta wasn't accomplishing much. They were going. They eight weren't. Eight they weren't. Years. But but he he left the league. He left the NFL for two and a half years to go to jail in his prime. Yeah, I mean he would he was great for a couple of years when he came back and he went to Philly. He came back to Philadelphia. He was good. But he essentially lost two years of his prime because he he's a freaking uh, terrible person. Yeah. You know, obviously now, you know, maybe he's reformed a little bit and he's a better person and, you know, all that. But at that point in time in his life, I mean, killing dogs. I'm, at, as a dog owner myself, there's there's almost nothing worse. It's pretty bad. Than to be that uh, cruel to animals. But I didn't, I didn't think we were going to go down a Michael Vick rabbit hole tonight. But, hey, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, the, the quarterback carousel, and and listen. So you're not getting Aaron Rodgers, you're not getting Russell Wilson, like we've talked on this show for months. That it's it's not it, it was never going to happen. And people are there's people on Twitter saying like, oh, uh, saying like that's all the Broncos gave up. Uh, why didn't Andrew Barry make a deal for for Russell Wilson, guys? Russell Wilson. Andrew Barry could have offered the Seahawks 12 first-round picks. Russell Wilson was not coming to Cleveland. The Denver Broncos were on his approved list to waive his no-trade clause. He was He's not coming to Cleveland. He never was coming to Cleveland. Get off that pipe dream. Quit smoking the ganj. He was never coming here. I don't know why you guys are getting so upset about it. He was not coming here. Rodgers wasn't coming here. Wilson's not coming here. Even if Deshaun Watson gets his uh, legal stuff taken care of, he's not coming here either. He also has a no-trade clause. Cleveland is not a free agent destination. And it's not because the organization is bad. These players, especially these quarterbacks, want to go to big markets. It's the same reason why Pittsburgh was never going to get any of these guys. The Steelers are one of the winningest organizations. Sorry, I couldn't say that without uh, throwing up. Uh, it's not just Pittsburgh. I mean, you look at Green Bay, for goodness sakes. I mean, they're right. the smallest market in, in North American sports. Yeah. And yet and they, just, they well, find a way to win. Well, 
they locked into drafting Aaron Rodgers at 25 overall in the 2000-whatever draft, 2005 draft. It helps when other teams just don't pick guys. I mean, that does help, but, you know, yeah. you, you, well, you, I, you make your own breaks. I mean, even if you even if you take him number one, like, you, you've you like look at the Indianapolis Colts. Two times over a 20-year 20, 20 stretch, when they had the number one pick is when a bona fide Hall of Fame-level quarterback was coming out of the draft in Peyton Manning. And then Peyton Manning leaves the Colts. They suck for one year, and then they get the number one pick when Andrew Luck is coming out of the draft. And, yeah, Andrew Luck retired early. Yeah. But Andrew Luck was on a Hall of Fame trajectory based on his play. I mean, he was an incredible quarterback. So, you know, it's all about – and, you know, I love Baker Mayfield, but when the Browns got the number one pick, it wasn't exactly a, a fantastic uh, quarterback class. I mean, look at the other quarterbacks. I mean, yeah, Josh Allen was good, but nobody was, nobody, nobody in there. Hindsight most is most people didn't think Josh Allen was going to be as good. as Hindsight he is, now. is very much twenty twenty, but nobody, no matter what team it was, nobody was taking Josh Allen number one overall. Lamar Jackson was drafted thirtieth, and most NFL teams wanted him to change to receiver rather than play quarterback. So it it it, it it's about being it's about it's about being bad at the right time. And falling ass first into a into a uh, quarterback that's you know Hall of Fame caliber that's coming out in the draft. So if you look at the quarterbacks that were taken in the 2018 NFL draft again, Baker Mayfield was taken number one by the Browns. Sam Darnold was taken number three by the Jets. Bust. That was a bust. Uh, Josh Rosen was taken tenth by the Cardinals. That giant bust. Extremely bad bust. Uh, and right, that's just those three. Well, then Lamar Jackson was taken at thirty-two by the Ravens. So you had you you effectively went two for four. If if you still think that Baker could end up being good here, um, if you're really on the anti-Baker train, then you might say, well, then it went one to four. Uh, and then again, Josh Allen was taken way later. No, Josh Allen uh, was taken seventh. Oh, I was like, did I miss? Yeah, he was taken seventh overall. Somehow I missed that. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, so objectively speaking, you have two stars and a third but, guy who's been very serviceable, and then you yeah. have two busts. So really, it's not unlike any other year, really. Yeah. I mean, half the players but, come out good and the others don't. Almost everybody uh, categorized the the Bills taking Josh Allen at seven as a reach. I mean, the guy the guy had low 50% completion percentage in college. This is precisely why I cannot and will not ever get myself in any way emotionally invested in the NFL draft because you just do not know right. who is going to be good and who is going to be bad on the day. I, I think it's hilarious when you have these draft experts come out and they give letter grades on how teams did in the draft like yeah. the next day. You have no business even making that kind of a determination until especially, years later. Especially with quarterback. I mean, it's like – you're gonna. I have. A, I have a very good feeling. You're gonna see in this draft that um, there's going to be several uh, offensive linemen that go early in the draft. Those are easier to project. Obviously, um, you know, you talked about 2018 with the Browns taking Baker Mayfield. Just a year previous, in 2017, they took Miles Garrett, who was probably out of the last decade the most slam dunk uh, number one pick that you could have had in the last decade. I mean, you just knew Miles Garrett was going to be great. Yes. So, 
Yeah, uh, we'll see. And we're going to cover the draft a lot more as it gets closer. It's about six weeks out. It's not that far out. You know, with COVID, the NFL pushed everything back for this past season. Like the the Super Bowl was a week later. Everything was a little bit later. So it's condensing the offseason. Everything else for this next year is going on as planned as it would in a normal year. So it's condensing the offseason. So we're only a few weeks away from the draft. Yeah, the draft last year was was right at the end of April. End of April. Of May. So we're about we're about six, six and a half weeks away from the from the NFL draft. So we'll see what happens. Like I said, we'll cover the draft more so as we get closer. But uh yeah, today I just wanted to touch on the uh the the quarterback here. It doesn't it doesn't involve us directly, but it involves us indirectly because so many Browns fans were looking at the quarterback market uh this offseason. But you know, even the guys that are still they're not even available, but Browns fans are like, oh, maybe we can get Kirk Cousins. You're not getting Kirk Cousins. He's not leaving Minnesota. You're not getting Matt Ryan because the Falcons are not going to take a $50 million cap hit to let him go. So that's not happening. There's no motivation to ever take a cap hit. That like big. it or not, like it or not, Baker Mayfield is going to be the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns when we open up the 2022 season. Now, will Case Keenan be the backup? I don't know. I think the only way Case Keenum is the backup is if he restructures his contract because the Browns ain't paying $8 million for a backup. It's just not going to happen. So either he does that or they get rid of him and they go with Nick Mullins as their backup quarterback. So we'll see what happens. The Browns have a lot to do, more than I think casual Browns fans realize that the Browns roster is going to change from last year to this year. They're going to have two new starters at wide receiver this year. I think they're going to have a new a new tight end. I don't think they're not they're not bringing back Austin Hooper, especially after they franchise David Njoku. No, he's gone. They're not paying their they're they're not paying both of their tight ends uh, ten million dollars this year, especially when they're not good. Yeah, so um, we're going to have another tight end. So basically, other than your running backs, uh, your skill positions are going to be overhauled. And on defense, I think we're going to get a completely new defensive line other than Miles Garrett. I think we're going to add a linebacker or two. And I think we're going to add a safety because I don't think Ronnie Harrison's going to be back. Yeah, it's interesting because with Seattle clearly in fire sale mode now, getting rid of Russell Wilson, one of the guys that they just released, um, Bobby Wagner. Would you go after a guy like that? <sighs> yeah, probably. I mean, he's really in the same really in the same ilk as another former Seahawks receiver that or Seahawks linebacker that we have in Malcolm Smith who was the former Super Bowl MVP. Mm-hmm. So maybe we bring Bobby Wagner in. I'm you know Andrew Barry has been known in these past 2 years of bringing in guys on those one year like transitional type deals. So maybe maybe they do that with Bobby Wagner. Who knows? That would be interesting. But yeah, I I think there's going to be a lot of this football this football team's going to look pretty different uh in the next couple months with the draft and free agency i think the browns are going to sign a couple receivers i think they're going to draft at least one i think they're going to draft a tight end and then they probably go free they they probably i bet they draft a couple defensive linemen maybe as developmental pieces but i think you're going to see a lot of those one-year contracts on defense like they've done the last two years I really do. So 
we'll see what the team looks like. It's going to be interesting. Um, the tampering period is about to start, the legal tampering period, and then I think March 16th is when the new league year starts and when players, can, free agents can start signing contracts with new teams. Hmm. So a week from tomorrow, next Wednesday. Yeah. So. Well, to, to put a bow on this whole episode, it, it looks like this is going to be a spring of adventure for Cleveland's three teams. You have the Cavaliers who are trying to navigate the, the end the end run in here, 17 games to go in the season. They got a big win tonight. They're 38-27. and 27. Realistically, to avoid having to go to the playing game, probably 45 wins is, is the threshold they'd have to get to. Yeah. Um, maybe slightly higher if the Raptors play well down the stretch, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, you just hope they'll be able to do that. Um, the Guardians, are they even going to – when are they going to start? I mean, who knows? I mean, that, that depends on what's going on between the owners and the players. And then once they do hit spring training, you know, how is everything going to shake out this year? And, you know, hopefully the injury bug doesn't hit, bite as hard as it did at the beginning of last year. You know, so a lot to determine there. And then, of course, the Browns, you know, with the new league year starting in the NFL next week, you know, it's going to be a big flurry of activity. Uh, and then, of course, as we get closer to the draft, what will the makeup of the team, particularly on defense and at the skill positions on offense, what will it look like? So a lot to be determined here in the next uh, the next couple months. Absolutely. Well, well that uh, that's pretty much going to do it for us tonight on episode uh, 201. Just a preview for next week. Uh, we are going to we haven't done we, we haven't done this as a podcast, but we're going to. We're going to start covering March Madness, and it all starts next week. The conference tournaments will be uh, decided this weekend, and uh, bracket time is upon us. We will be doing an LOTL bracket challenge. So if you're interesting, if, if you're interested, I don't know yet. If you're, in- if you're not interesting, you can't participate. <laughs> if, uh, if you're interested, I don't know what the prize is going to be yet, but uh, – uh, s- let us know on social media if you're interested, and uh, we'll get you we'll get you in and get you a bracket and uh, get you in on this thing. Uh, we're gonna update it every week as we go through the uh, month of March, uh, as we go through round to round, and uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. So look out for that next week. We will start that next week, and Steve and I will go through our brackets next week, and on the show, and uh, we'll start March Madness LOTL style. Think for prize we could like give away free beer from Noble Beast. <laughs> free beer tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so uh that's the old that's the old thing, the old sign on the bar that says free beer tomorrow. When you come back tomorrow, it says free beer tomorrow. <laughs> so it's always free beer tomorrow, but you never get the free beer. So shout out again, Noble Beast. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, that's gonna do it for us. Episode two oh one is in the books. Tortilist Steve, I'm Dan. You can follow us at the L O T L podcast. And we'll catch you guys next week. See ya. Bye.